chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Now, Paul asked the Thessalonian believers to pray for them that the word of God would have free course and be glorified. He asked for prayer that he might be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. Now you have to understand that every time you do a work for God, the enemy always sends a, a, a person or people to try to stop or to hinder what you are doing. There were many false teachers that were trying to undo what the apostles had laid down. Paul says here, for all men have not faith. In other words, all men don't have the faith. Now, what is the faith? The faith is the apostles' doctrines, the teachings laid down by the apostles. The false teachers taught the opposite of what the apostles taught. Paul wanted the word of God to, to flow freely. He didn't want nothing to hinder the word of God. All right, verses 3 through 5. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. God is faithful. God is faithful. He is always faithful. He has never let us down and he never will. Then he says that God would establish them. Now, how can a believer become established? The answer is simple. It comes through the word of God. The Lord operates through his word. The word of God will keep you from evil. The psalmist says this in Psalms chapter 119 and verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Oh, glory to God. Then we see Paul committing them to the Lord with the confidence that they were doing and would continue to do the things which he had commanded them. He believed that this Thessalonians church, which had an awesome testimony, would continue to maintain that testimony while patiently waiting on the return of Jesus. Now, patiently waiting on the Lord is not sitting around doing nothing. In fact, it means to work while you wait. Let me give you an example. An example, there was this gardener for a large estate in northern Italy. He was conducting a visitor through the castle and the beautiful well-groomed grounds. As the visitor had lunch with the gardener and his wife, he commended them for the beautiful way they were keeping the gardens. He asked, by the way, when was the last time the owner was here? Uh, it was about 10 years ago, the gardener said. The visitor asked, then why do you keep up the gardens in immaculate conditions? The gardener answered, because I'm expecting him to return. He asked, is he coming next week? The gardener replied, I don't know when he is coming, but I am expecting him today. Listen, although he didn't come that day, he was living in the light of the owner's return. The gardener wasn't hanging over the gate 
watching down the road, looking to see whether his master was coming. He was in the garden, trimming, cutting, mowing, and planting. He was busy while waiting on his owner's return. Listen, our master, Jesus Christ, came over 2,000 years ago and will return. And we, like the gardener, must be busy fulfilling his purpose for our lives in the earth till his return. Oh, glory to God. Verses 6 through 10. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now Paul makes it plain that believers need to be very careful with the company we keep and with whom we associate with. Paul goes on to say that he had led them to Christ and established a church among them and had every right. He had the authority to receive an offering or salary. However, he chose rather to be an example before them by working with his own hands to take care of his needs. Apparently, there were some who thought that because Jesus would come at any moment, there was no need to work. Paul says, on the contrary, if a man doesn't work, he is not fit to eat. Nothing from nothing leaves absolutely nothing. 11 through 12. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Now, there were some lazy folks in Thessalonica who was busybodies. Paul says, to be this way is walking disorderly. This type of behavior is without a doubt unacceptable in the kingdom of God. You have to work either as an employee or as an entrepreneur, but the bottom line is you have to work. Just that simple. Verse 13. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. I, I like that. A guy by the name of Moody says it best. He says, I get weary in the work, but not weary of the work. Hallelujah. Verses 14 and 15. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Paul tells them here that if a believer refuses to work and continues to be a busybody, don't associate themselves with him. Now, what was Paul's reasoning? What was his reason for this? He wanted the lazy, busybody believer to become ashamed of his laziness and of his messy ways and to change. Now, he makes it clear that they were not to mistreat him, but warn him as a brother in Christ. Listen, we ought to provoke our brothers and sisters in Christ to change for the better. Verses 16 through 18. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Paul says here that this is an epistle from him signed with his own hand. His letter ends with a benediction. It is the conclusion of an awesome epistle which teaches us the importance of spending time in God's word so that we can know truth and then be able to walk in everything God has prepared for us to walk in, which in turn brings much peace to the heart. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.